my friends, and welcome to the Experience Our Industry podcast. As you know, I'm Dr. Brian Greenwood, and I am super excited to be here today with Callie Fishman. How are you, Callie? I'm great, Dr. Greenwood. It's so funny. Ten years later, and I still calling you Brian just doesn't feel <laughs> just doesn't feel right. It's such a hard thing to break. I I remember that very well with my professors for sure. But Brian is um. Brian is always fine. Once uh, once you graduate, I I tell folks that uh you're you're welcome to go to the uh, more uh, the more informal route and uh, and we're we're friends now, right? We're friends and colleagues Great. now, right? In the industry, so uh, um, it's so good to see you. Callie is um, a 2013 graduate of our program. Is that right? That is correct. I can't believe it's been 10 years, Callie, but uh let's, yeah, let's not focus on the 10 years. I know, I know. Let's not, let's not. Um, I'm sorry about that. Um, but no, that's okay. uh, yeah, I'm I'm super excited about getting um to hear about the engine is red. And so Callie is currently the vice president of client services for the engine is red, and we'll get a chance to hear all about that. Um, but but first of all, now I, I I do have to ask you. You you know I am um, or I don't know whether you know this or not. Um, but I, I grew up. I well, I didn't grow up in college. I became a huge fish fan, P H I S H, and um, the drummer's last name is Fishman, John Fishman, and um. He's famous for wearing the dress. He he wears a dress on stage. Um, so, did you marry into the John Fishman family or not? I sadly did not. That sounds way cooler. Uh, no, I I married a small town Sonoma County boy with a Fishman last name, uh, but not any related to uh, to the fish band Fishman. Okay, okay. Does he know that? Does he know that connection? I'm sure he's heard that many times before. Yeah, I'm sure he has. I don't know if I've ever heard it, but I'm sure he's gotten it over the 30-something years. Okay. I worried about saying it because I was like, uh oh, uh-oh, she might have gotten it like so many times. So I'm glad to be your first to, to have gotten it there. <laughs> yeah, to- no, you are, you are totally fine. And yes, I will take that home now and tell him that... Uh, it- that we have that correlation connection. Yeah, you should. You should pull up. You should pull up a, a video. He's he's the one in the dress, and uh, and he became famous for also. Uh, he played a vacuum cleaner. He learned how to play a vacuum cleaner on stage, and so that's one of his other claims to fame. But uh, but anyway, so let's go back in time, Callie. Tell us where you're from. I grew up in Marin County, California, so just north of San Francisco. Uh, I grew up in like Kenfield Green Bray, so right in the heart of uh, Marin County. Right on. I love Marin County. I, uh, I, my, one of my good friends, uh, lived there for a little while, and and uh, I got introduced to the the little town of Bolinas, and uh, and oh. just fell in love with what a cute little town it was, and uh, and you know we were, um, I, I went out with my with my friend um, to feed some horses. She was big into horses, and. Um, and uh, and we went out and um, we were we were interacting with with the woman there and 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 we walked away and 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 she said, "Do you know who that woman was referring to?" And she said, "Oh, such and such. My husband is away fixing something that Robert has screwed up." And I was like, "I was like, no, who's she talking about?" And he was she was like Robert Redford. And I was like, "Oh, wow." And she was like, "Yeah, her casual." Husband. Yeah, yeah. She was like, her husband has like 10 Academy Awards. And I was like, what? You know? <laughs> yeah, 
him and George Lucas, it's a, it's a fun little pocket there. Mm-hmm. Uh, same kind of thing. You're like, oh, you every so often you'll have those instances and you're like, oh, yep, totally normal. That's yep. totally normal. <laughs> right, exactly. Well, so tell us tell us what it was like uh, growing up there, Moran. What your, would your parents do? Did you have any siblings, that sort of thing? Yeah, I uh, great childhood in Marin. I grew up with a view of Mount Tam. So those that are our North Bay residents, Beautiful view of a wonderful mountain, uh, which was a wonderful way to wake up every day. Uh, My parents, my mom actually was in advertising for a really long time. Uh, She was a producer back in the day, and she worked in an agency in San Francisco for a long time. And then when both my brother and I were born, uh, she was able to take some time just with us. Uh, And then she went actually went back to my old middle school and worked as an administrator there for almost 20 years uh, and just retired recently. And my dad uh, started his own printing business way back when, um, I think back in 93, he opened his own printing business, uh, did that for about 25 years and became a real estate agent. So uh, yeah, my parents were around and did weird, fun stuff, all kind of in the marketing, printing, production world uh, Uh overall. But yeah. And then I have a little brother who's uh, two years younger than me. And We grew up super close uh, and then went to rival high schools. So it always feels good. <laughs> okay. That's wild. Well, you know, we, um, uh, Jerusha and I have uh, um, uh, the same thing. So uh, our oldest is a girl and, and youngest is a boy, two years younger. So, uh, so are you guys, are you and your brother close now after the rival high school thing? We are. We we find nice. we found our way back to each other. Nice. Uh, yeah, he st- he actually lives down in Marin still, uh, and is married. And we see each other uh, a decent amount. We are still very close and very much in each other's lives. And oh, uh, yeah, it's it's wonderful. I feel very lucky that we've all kind of stayed so local. I'm the one that's moved furthest away, and I'm 20 minutes away from my parents. Right. So <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, definitely. Well- Definitely a good place to be. Awesome. Well, I, I look, I, I look to the future, and I'm like, oh, I hope they stay close. I hope they're okay. I hope they don't, you know, you know, whenever they fight, you worry about them not being close as they get older, and uh, so that's uh, that's so good to hear. So, tell us a little bit about what young Callie was like. Like, what were you into? What was your jam? What was I not into? Uh, I was <laughs> kind of. I have been and always will be kind of that extracurricular queen. Um, so growing up, I played all the sports. I was overscheduled. Uh, my mom now 30 years in, she's like, I may have overdone it when you were a small child. I'd <laughs> never gave you a beat to breathe and relax and just take in life. Right. Uh, so I was in music classes and sports and did all sorts of stuff. I did theater classes when I was a kid, uh, and then hit high school was playing volleyball, uh, and then got really into theater my sophomore year in high school. Uh, I was also part of my ASB group. So I was uh, on our ASB leadership crew for all four years of high school. And then was also a part of a like peer, we called it peer resource, but kind of a like drug and alcohol awareness group for mostly we would go back to middle schools to teach them how to function within a high school scenario. Uh Um, And probably other things I'm not even thinking about, but theater was definitely one of the big things that throughout the, the years um, took up a fair amount of my time. I love it. That's so awesome. Tell us what's your favorite role, your favorite role uh, to to play growing up. What do you have? A, do you have a, a memory of of a favorite role? 
I played Marcy in Your Good Man Charlie Brown way back in the day, which I think was kind of a made up character because there were too many of us in the show to <laughs> actually have real roles. Okay. Uh, and then I actually, I actually, I actually went to a musical last night with one of my best friends back from high school, and we were driving home and uh, we're jamming out to the Little Shop of Horror soundtrack, which is what we were both in our senior year in high school. So nice. it, some of that stuff sticks with you. It's crazy how much those lyrics pop back into your head it 15 is. years later. It yeah. is. I've I've had one role and I, I was Bill Sykes and Oliver. And so I and I and I still remember strong men tremble when they hear it. You know, that's uh <laughs> that's my uh it's crazy what what triggers they're they I sit know. there and they hang out. I know. I could not sing Callie though. So I had to like kind of gruff it, you know, the the um the director, she was like, you know, well. Got a little bit of problem there with you not being able to carry a tune. So we're going to let you gruff it out. You know, strong men tremble when they That's hear great. it like that sort of we thing. Love a, we love a gruff voice. Yeah, yeah, I, like, yeah. I don't think I can either, but they put up with me for far too long. So <laughs> I definitely am a fan of the uh, of the musical theater world, but I, uh, I don't know if anyone wants to hear me sing anymore. <laughs> right. Uh, well, I know they don't want to hear me. That's for sure. But, but I, I love it. So talk to us about... Um, you know, that that transition um, from from Wren to to Cal Poly. How'd you hear about how'd you hear about us? Like, what was that whole story about? Yeah, so my aunt, I so my aunt went to Cal Poly back in the day, Okay, uh, my dad's sister. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she had always been a big fan. Both of my parents went to UCSB. OK, so they were Santa Barbara Gauchos. Yeah. Uh, and I in high school was always. I'd always kind of said that I was going to stay semi-local. I think the furthest school I applied to was Boulder. Mm-hmm. Um, and I applied to mostly Cal State schools. I was like, I'm going to be the responsible first child who take mm-hmm. who picks the Cal State school and makes the economic financial decision. Uh, so I, I, I applied to fair a couple of UCs, a couple of CSUs, Boulder, Oregon, UW. Uh, mm-hmm. If I can remember, I think that's about the list. And I think remember, I remember visiting during spring break my senior year. And I mean, other than the allergies being absolutely terrible, uh, the moment I stepped on the campus, I was in love. I was like, this is such an incredible place to be so close to the beach. Having grown up in Marin being 20, 30 minutes from the water, I think for me, it was definitely a really strong pull. Um, I had a great tour of campus, which I'm sure we will get into later. I then became a tour guide at at Cal Poly. had a great tour, had a great time in slow and just fell in love with the little town, fell in love with campus um, and actually applied and got in as a theater major. So I started at Cal Poly as a theater major my freshman year. Oh, right um, on. Josh Mackamer and the, yeah. the gang over there. Correct. The whole gang. So right. I started in theater uh, and I'm sure we'll get to more of the details of that, how that transition happened. But yeah. uh, didn't even know that this major existed when I first started. All right. Well, so so there we go. Great segue. So uh, you come in as a, as a theater major, and um, and you're you know that I, I would imagine that that's kind of a tight knit community, right? Like, um, and so I don't imagine we get too many uh, change of majors from theater because of that kind of tighter knit yeah. community. But um, so tell us that story about how you found um, about how you found. Uh, the the reckies, uh as we as we say, during your time back in the day back in the day what RPTA was uh yeah, yeah so in no shocking news I was the 
president of my dorm my freshman year. Um, I was the president of Sequoia. So I got into kind of that group of extracurricular people um, who I are still some of my best friends. We were all presidents of different dorms. And when I went through that whole process, got really close with that group of people, including Alicia Carney, who is one year older than me. uh, And at the time was like, I'm in this major called Recreation Parks Tourism Administration. And I was like, pardon? What? What is this? What are you explaining? She's like, well, there's like event planning and hospitality and all these things. And I was like, I'm this exists? What? Uh, And she was actually the, the person that convinced me. So I applied to change my major during, I think during winter quarter of my freshman year, uh, having talked to her and kind of just become so infatuated with the whole idea and applied and got into RPTA, uh, I think right at the end of my winter quarter of my freshman year. And then I actually took the spring quarter of my freshman year off. Uh, my brother was in a pretty gnarly accident my freshman year in college. Uh, so I actually took that whole quarter off. So I actually started as an RPTA major with all of the people, the class below me, okay. uh, I had to hustle my way through to try and get back up to my classmates, uh, who were all the year that I started school. Right. I sort of vaguely remember that now. Um, but he's doing great. He's fine. He's fine now. And yeah, he's doing great. Yeah. I remember you, everyone at the, at school was, you guys were all so kind and wonderful and appre- I mean, yeah, I felt very safe when I landed in the RPTA world. You guys were all so, so kind. Uh, yeah, he's doing great. Uh, on the streets, you'd never know anything happened to him. Uh, he's thriving and turning 30 this year. So he's, oh, cool. he's doing great. But uh, yeah, it was a weird tumultuous time for uh, Sandbergs back in the day. Um, uh-huh. So it was actually really nice. I felt so welcomed and appreciated when I came in to the major, um, especially because I was coming in late and coming in kind of the grade below me, um, you all made me feel so welcome. Awesome. Awesome. Well, that's, uh, that's so great to hear. And, uh, and shout out to Alicia. I'm sure you've, uh, I'm sure you've listened to her podcast as one of my, one of my favorite ones. And Alicia is obviously one of my, one of my favorites and you are as well. And so it's so great to, to make that connection. Um, because you know, you got, you, you all go out into the world and like, it's hard to remember and keep, keep straight oh, yeah. all the years and all of that. And so, uh, that just makes and me, she, uh, she and I are still, so you'll like this, Brian. She yeah. is actually the reason my husband and I met. So oh. she, we met on a dating app, but you have to add like a mutual friend and uh-huh. she was our mutual friend. So, knowing that she had been one of my best friends at Cal Poly and she actually grew up and went to middle school with my husband. Uh, I went on my first date with my husband and texted her afterwards and was like, I went on a date with this kid and she responded just marriage material, all caps. Uh, Eight years later. That is so uh, cool. So yeah, it's a very small world and we're actually getting to go to her wedding in London in September. Um, So these Cal Poly relationships are very strong. Uh, but yeah, she is still to this day, one of my favorite humans. Yes, for sure. Uh, mine too. And please, please tell her, uh, congratulations from the Greenwoods. And that is so exciting. Uh, so exciting to hear. And, um, she is, uh, thriving so, so much in, in London. So that's, uh, that's just great. So let's talk a little bit about your time at Cal Poly. You've are already given us some awesome things, but if if we if you look back and you think about like one moment, does like one moment stand out or one experience or one set of experiences that you look back and you think, oh wow, I'll never I'll never forget that time. 
Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a lot, yeah. but, it's um, hard to whittle down trying to, trying to whittle. Uh, you know, I think becoming a tour guide for me was a big thing. Uh, really when, so my brother got hurt when I was a freshman, I went through my sophomore year and was kind of like trying to find my place, trying to find out what, you know, at 20 years old, like what's going on. I've been through all this stuff and had just switched majors and gone through all this and, uh, applied to become a poly rep in the end of my sophomore year. And it was kind of that moment where I was either going to apply and get into poly reps and like be fully committed to Cal Poly and be so excited, or I was going to like apply to transfer schools. I had, I was going through like a total quarter life crisis uh, and trying to figure out exactly what I was looking for in life. And Mm -hmm. though there were so many great things about Cal Poly, I just couldn't quite figure out where I fit. Uh, And then I applied to become a poly rep and that really was what changed it for me. I just decided if I'm in it, I'm in it and I'm going to go hard in the paint and I'm going to learn all the fun facts and commit myself to this thing. Uh, And I, you know, that was the, I I was in that with Alicia and Nick Taylor. Uh, I was like, there's at least one or two others of us around that time who all graduated and were tour guides as well. That was such a great time. You guys were so, so, so sharp. I I remember that very, very well. And and I love the basketball analogy. You got to go hard in the paint. I love that. <laughs> that was good. Yep. That's good. <laughs> but uh, so uh, so let's let's also then kind of um, transition a little bit, but actually not that much because poly reps obviously has some professional development elements to it. But I guess when if you look back and you think about something besides poly reps, is there um, something that you did from like a learn by doing perspective that where you look back and you go, oh, wow, that really helped to propel me in my career? Yeah. I mean, even just on like a base level, I feel like the classes that you all had in RPTA, there were just, you gave us so many opportunities to be in the field uh, that I feel like even if it was just like going and meeting a business or I think one of our projects was to like host an event for a nonprofit or something like that. It was such a like small thing, but just being able to have the confidence in your twenties to be able to walk out into the community and meet people and understand where they're coming from and understand what people are working against and going through. And, you know, as much as it sounds really unsexy, like how much we learned about like risk management, um, <laughs> no matter what field you end up in, like right. the, the amount of customer service and risk management that you learn or that I learned through my major, um, was huge. Uh, and it was so tangible because we were really out experiencing it on a day to day. Um, so I feel like you all really gave us so many, I can't pick out one, but so many tangible opportunities to engage in what it feels like to actually feel like you're in the field, uh, which was huge. Right. Right. Well, I, I I love that. And I appreciate you, you, you saying that, so let's talk about uh, that moving out into the field, right? That uh, the, the the internship becomes like, you know, your your springboard to uh, to to life um, in in a career, and um, and so our, our current students in particular love hearing about this. So tell us about that process, uh, what you did, how you got it, that whole that whole jam. Totally. So uh, actually, the summer before graduation, I worked at a company that did a lot of. Um, like sales trips for big companies where they were sending people to like Ireland or Italy or whatever and doing these like really cool incentives trips. So that was actually a really fun semi-tangible position that I got to kind of learn how that side of the business works from a hospitality standpoint. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that was actually a really cool, I don't even know how that job came to be, but really cool experience and internship. And then the, my 
senior internship where I finally graduated. Mm -hmm. Um, At that point, I somewhat shifted into the idea that as much as I love events and as much as I wanted to give my heart and soul to building and making events come to life, I also really enjoyed my weekends and my nights and found <laughs> that if I was going to go down that road, I, it was going to be a tough one for me. So um, I actually studied abroad my junior year. So I did RPTA my sophomore year, and then I actually disappeared for a little bit, went to Copenhagen. Yeah. When I was there, I, I, I think I found within myself that I really liked the idea of production, whether it's events or media or anything like that. There's mm-hmm. something really magical to the idea of having doing something live and doing something with a team and then kind of being in that production field um, and came back to Cal Poly my senior year. And that was really my focus. I was like, I really, you know, whether it's events or marketing or whatever, I really liked the idea of kind of that production energy. Right. Um, So when I was looking to graduate, I was trying to find something that kind of strike, that kind of like balanced between the two um, and ended up, (laughs) this is, you know, this makes me feel a little there's a little bit of nepotism here, but I actually ended up going back and working for um, the ad agency my mom worked at in the 80s. Uh, her head of production, uh-huh. uh, who she had worked with for 20 years, uh, was still at the agency and uh, kind of fostered me and brought me under her wing. So my internship was actually uh, as an associate assistant, you know, accounts person at this agency uh, right. in San Francisco called Tiny, which no longer exists. Um, but I had a great summer there learning all there is to know about customer service and being an accounts person. Again, as much as it's not out on the field in right. a hotel or an event, uh, really taught me, you know, transitioned me into that client services, customer services role. Yeah. And that business world. Yeah. That's, uh, that's awesome. So, um, so, so after Riney, you ended up, uh, you, you had a three-year stint with uh, a company called Portal A and, um, and it sounds like that also struck the balance that you were talking about, right? That the, that creative project, a uh, project manager type position where there's content production going on. Um, tell us about like one of the, um, key takeaways that you that you would think back to your your three years there because I imagine that propelled you to what you're doing now. Is that right? A little bit, yeah. That that was a crazy time. So Portal A was a production company, ad agency, weird mix. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was right when YouTube influencers became really popular. Oh, right. uh, I feel yeah. like the internet has become very different since I graduated. But when when right. I went on to work at Portal A. The idea of doing sponsored content on the internet was like just really exploding. Right. So we did a lot of partnerships with companies like Google, Lenovo, uh, YouTube itself, uh, and produced a lot of really cool content with YouTube influencers that were really big at the time. Uh, our big project every year was YouTube Rewind, which wow. for those over the age of 30, like very few people have actually ever seen. But for those <laughs> right. the generation below me, people were like, that's so cool. Yeah, uh, right. which was like six months of international production all over the world with a bunch of people who weren't getting paid to be there, who just uh-huh. showed up on a random set doing something weird for a day. Uh-huh. Um, and it was the most insane work I have ever done. It is the most insane hours I will ever work. It is the oh. most like, but it was such a cool opportunity. I was uh-huh. working, I was doing talent management, I was doing production management, I was doing all these things. Mm. Um in situations and with people that I would have never dreamed of. It was a very much a hustle job. Uh, but I, I think I got a really great work ethic coming from that job. Um, and also just learned how much 
being a kind person, how far that goes, and also just run, understanding what it takes to make something run well. When you're doing production, there's a lot of people and a lot of voices and a lot of stakeholders in the room at all times, but mm-hmm. trying to find ways to not make it a horrible experience for people and, and make it enjoyable and, and exciting and something worthwhile um, is not an easy thing to do a lot of the times when there's that many rooms or that's that many voices in the room. Right. Uh, so um, it was a really great first stab in my mid twenties of how to manage and mitigate and right. handle all sorts of different things. Um, right. Crazy time, crazy job, but would not, uh, would not ever go back and not do it. It was such a fun little chapter of my life. Right. Let's dig deeper into this, uh, Callie, because I, I I feel like I can, um, I feel like we're in a safe space where we can talk about this, right? Because um, I think so much of you and, um, and, and, you, but you are like the, at least the fifth or sixth person in the last like 10 interviews that I've done that have said this. And I think it's something to, to dive into a little bit more. And that that's the kindness element, right? Like I keep hearing that over and over again. Like, um, I just learned that you have to be kind. And, um, you know, I think coming out of a, a global pandemic where we, we all suffered some form of trauma in some way or another, right. <laughs> um, yep. that, 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 that element, right. Like you're talking about it from, from a, a period from 2014 to 17, right. That you were learning it. But I feel like um, in this modern day society that that element of, of kindness, I keep hearing over and over again. And 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 I think maybe some people don't really know what that means. Right. Like, what does that mean in a business set in a business setting where, you know, we've kind of always been taught that capitalism is, uh, you know, a dog, <laughs> dog eat dog world where you got to get yours, you know, that that sort of thing. So explain to us a little bit more about about what you meant by that, that kindness element. I mean, we all show up trying to be the best versions of ourselves and that, you know, my boss today, or, you know, the boss I work for now, he and I have conversations a lot of the time. And as we get further into what I do now, I have, I feel like we'll dig into all sorts of hospitality conversations too, but, mm-hmm. uh, no one ever shows up trying to be a bad client. No one ever comes on, like no one ever puts their pants on in the morning going like, I'm going to be a terrible person today. Like none of us are doing that. We right. don't, that's not how we look at the world. That's not how we see life. Very rarely is someone going to come at life with like, today I'm going to suck. Uh, and so to, to come at every day with the expectation that even if you're meeting someone during a stressful time of their day or something's going wrong or something stressful, no one's attempting to do that to each other. And the more you can show up with an empathetic mindset of looking at them like a person, uh, I think is is really important. Again, being in client services for as long as I've been, everyone just wants to be heard and listened to and respected for what they do. We all have jobs that work endless hours. And especially during the pandemic, when there was no you know division of church and state between work and home and right. all of that, like, it doesn't have to be perfect. You know, I, I am a big fan. I'm one, I'm an oversharer, but two, I'm also just like, <laughs> we're, it's real. Like there's to, to, to not put on a real face or be able to talk about something in more of reality or acknowledge that we've made a mistake or acknowledge that something's gone wrong or whatever, but also be the person that's there to find a solution and look towards a brighter tomorrow is the only way we got to get through this. We're all just doing the best we can. There are so many things being thrown at us. We're all moving at a, such a speed that you know, generations before us would have never ever understood uh, right. on a day to day basis, and 
And at this point, like waiting and giving that smile or asking someone how their day is going or making sure that what you're saying is actually true and, and what they understand to be goes a long way. And uh, I will never not try and make that attempt uh, to, to go the extra mile or make sure that, you know, client, coworker, or random person, you know, that I meet uh, feels that I'm doing my best to consider where they're at in every day. I love it. Well, I just uh, I just shoved that on you and uh, without any warning and uh, you just articulated it in such a fabulous way. And I just uh, thank you so much for that. That's awesome. Um, and uh, I think uh, that will uh, we could end it right now. We just that that was perfect. Right. Like, <laughs> but, but, uh, but we'll keep going. You know, we, you, you just you just drop the mic on everybody, but, but we'll keep going there. <laughs> Um, so tell us about, um, you, you know, you, you've, you stayed in, in Port Away, you stayed in the, in the Bay area, right? You, you went back home, so to speak. Um, um, and then you had a little stint where you, uh, where you went South, it looks like, is that right? Or were you, uh, were you remote when you were doing Lagunitas? Uh, actually North. So Lagunitas is actually in Petaluma. So oh. Sonoma County. So, oh, I'm so yeah. sorry. I was thinking Lagunitas no, was San Diego. Oh, I'm so bad. No, you're all good. California geography. You're fine. Don't worry about it. Um, <laughs> so I actually met my husband while I was working at Portalay and uh-huh. commuted and did a lot of driving up the 101 and down the 101 and set a hellish amount of traffic uh-huh. uh, and hit a point where I was like, I cannot keep doing this every day. I'm going to lose my marbles. There's too much time in a car. It's not I worth it. You. I got to fix it. So I, I looked to my husband and was like, I got to find something that's cool and interesting and innovative and doing something different or mm-hmm. a brand that people recognize. Um, Sonoma County has a fun little like window of cool companies, a lot of, a lot in agriculture and food, um, a fair amount in kind of textile and retail too, as, as well. But uh, Lagunitas is a long stead uh, of Petaluma, California. So actually it was the best commute I've ever had. It was a 12 minute drive from my house to, uh, to work, which was felt very, very different. Um, and took the job because I wanted to be closer to my family, to my husband, to the friends that we were starting to build in the community that we were in and uh, wanted to find an opportunity to keep doing something in an interesting place. And I actually came on to Lagunitas right when, right after the final acquisition of Heineken taking over Lagunitas. So before I started, they had only owned, they'd only taken over 50%. Mm. And I came in like three months after the full acquisition had happened. So it was a very interesting transition year. Uh, I was only there for about a year. um, And there was just a lot that went on during that time. Um, Really cool to be a part of a company that was going through that transition. But as you can guess, it's just also with a company of Heineken size coming into a tiny small town brewery, which of course has grown and become this, you know, global phenomenon. Of course. We were still a tiny team in a business building in Petaluma trying right. to function with these, like big behemoths that were at, at Heineken. And right. um, so I kind of came in in a, an internal role. I went from being on like the agency side to being an internal marketer for uh, about for that year. And it was, um, it was really fun. It was, it was cool. Lagunitas is a fun, weird, funky brand. Yeah. Um, and it was fun to get to work on something that's so niche and so specific and so loved by people um, and also get a chance to only have to drive 10 minutes to work. So it was a really fun year. Um, definitely my transition from there was a kind of a weird offshoot. Uh, and we can, I'll let you ask questions, but, um, 
yeah, it was a really cool time to be there. Awesome. Well, I'm still embarrassed that I uh, that I screwed that up so, uh, so thoroughly. I uh, I don't know why I had in in my brain that uh, Lagunitas was a was a, a down south Sandy. I was thinking San Diego. Um, there's so many breweries there in San Diego that I that I got them uh, mixed up, and I'm thinking I was trying to figure out which one I got it mixed up with. But um, anyway, uh, no big deal. I'm sure all the California natives are, are are giving me a hard time right now, but that's okay. I'll. I'll survive. This North Carolina boy will survive. I at least learned something, right? I won't mess it up again. Um, so let's talk then about um, that transition from Lagunitas um, moving into what you're doing now, right? With with the engine is red. You had a little, little stop at Fletcher Roads. Uh, what, what was uh, yep. what was Fletcher Roads like? And and what uh, what what's the takeaway there? Was was there something that uh, when you think back to your time there that um, that you know, you look back and you go, oh, wow, I really developed this skill or or this really helped me in, in this area or, or or what? Yeah. So my time at Lagunitas, what's interesting, and as we transition to the what I'm doing now, that yeah. uh, I'm really glad I had the opportunity to work at an in-house space and, and understand what a brand does and why a brand makes decisions the way they do and how their marketing team works and mm-hmm. how to rebrand or rethink strategy or redo all these things. Um, there's that there's so many decision makers in the room and all of that. And it was very, again, with all of a sudden this giant stakeholder coming in and, and making decisions, it was um, really interesting to be a part of that. And I actually, at that point, stepped away to Fletcher Roads, which is an interior design company, uh, it actually in Sonoma proper. And I really just wanted to separate myself from the advertising marketing world. Uh, at that point, I was looking to just kind of like get a kind of a break. I had been in things for at that point, Six ish, five or five ish years, and I think I just needed a, a moment to breathe and uh-huh. went to become their like operations manager over there. And a fantastic team full of phenomenally talented humans. Um, I'd always been a big fan of design. Um, my dad and I joke that like he and I just should have become architects, but yeah. I did not have the grade for that in high school. So, no. um, but then we always just loved the idea of design. We were always so you know I was always so excited by it. So to become design adjacent was just an opportunity that I'd always wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, had a great year there, just under a year. Um, and the team was ebbing and flowing uh, at the time in which my position that was originally made for me and the growth of the company just didn't make sense. And so I actually parted ways with them totally amicably. The owner is an absolute gem um, and she, it just didn't make sense for the future of the business. So her and I parted ways and, uh, and then I was fun employed for the first time, <laughs> right. um, but only for like 45 days. It was a very short fun employment. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And, and so, so tell us, uh, you, you know, you've been with the engine is red for, for four years now, I guess, uh, really close to four years now, obviously, um, you know, when we, when we, um, insert a global pandemic in there. It's like, uh, you know, it's like they say with dog years that uh, <laughs> when, when you input yes. pandemic years in there, it probably feels like 100%. you've been there 10 years, but, uh, but tell us, uh, tell us what uh, the engine is red uh, does and, and, um, and tell us, you know, what your get, we'll start with what, what a day to day is like for you. Like, what are your, what are your duties there? Of course. So the engine is red is a full service marketing an advertising agency. Uh, we have an office here in Santa Rosa, California, an office in Minneapolis, Minnesota, and an office in Austin, Texas. We actually acquired the team in Austin back in September of last year. So we are now a team of 35. 
Uh, I started at the engine back in 2019 mm-hmm. and as an account manager. So I came in as a day-to-day client services manager, running client engagements, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. COVID hit a team of account managers, went from a team of five to a team of me through a plethora of different reasons. All of a sudden we're looking at, you know, March 20th and the accounts team is me and the owner of the business. So oh, wow. it's a fun time between, uh, you know, March of 2020. And I think probably about June, July of 2020, the accounts team was, was really me. Uh, and, you know, great team of designers and writers. We, you know, as the engine is read, we are a, we kind of do all sorts of things. We do website design and development. We build brands. We do fun marketing collateral. We work with all different types of businesses to do all sorts of different work. Uh, we have a great digital team um, that builds out digital advertising, which we all see on all sorts of platforms all the time. Um, and in late 2020, we brought on, we were finally able to bring on another account manager and have slowly been able to build the team back since then. Uh, so in 2021, I became an account director, uh, and really tried to take a little bit more ownership over the team as we were starting to rebuild it. And then as of last fall, uh, I was given the title change and role to become the vice president of client services. So I am now running a team of six of us. There's six account managers now uh, and a team of 35 in total across graphic designers, web developers, copywriters, uh, art directors, all the sorts of fun things and a bunch of freelancers. So it's been a fun growth, crazy train for me. Uh, I've learned a lot and had to learn about how to lead people and lead clients and all sorts of things. I'd always... Being in client services, you, you're always kind of managing people in some way, shape, or form. Of course. But to go from managing clients and managing those types of things to really managing a team on top of that um, has been a huge shift for me. Uh, very exciting, and I'm very much enjoying it, but it's definitely been a big change for me and a lot of responsibility for me, but uh, not in bad in any ways. It's been really fun. Right. And so day-to-day now... I service a handful of clients as their direct client point of contact. So that's client meetings, working through with my team members on deliverables and what that looks like, getting feedback, kind of that whole cycle. Uh, But now beyond anything, I'm also giving my team the support, guidance, and mentorship to do that day-to-day even better. Uh, So I kind of probably spend about two-thirds of my week uh, mentoring and managing my team members and about a third of it. Uh, directly managing clients that ebbs and flows. Currently, I'm that's about where I'm at. Um, right. And every day is a little different, but most of my days are spent like this on Zoom. I uh, I right. do a lot of video calls. A lot of our clients are local, but especially during COVID, everything went remote. So most of my day to day is meetings internal or client facing, uh, talking through what to do and how to make it work, and all sorts of solution finding and staffing and all that kind of stuff uh, that goes with kind of a day-to-day. I love it. Well, I, I just want to, I just want to say, you know, I've, I've, I obviously have to to try to do a little bit of research whenever I'm talking to people, right. Um, you know, other than obviously not figuring out where Lagunitas was located, but um, <laughs> I just love the engine is rad. You got, you guys, uh, you guys have me, um, you have me on board as a fan and looking through all of your stuff and trying to figure out, uh, what what you all do? Um, 
one of the things I, I want to ask you is, um, you, you know, we've we've made this transition, right? Um, after you left um, and graduated um, to experience industry management, and and you know, we we did it because it became an umbrella term for, um, you know, for special events and all all of the different things, special events, hospitality, tourism, you know, all that sport and all, and all that recreation yep. and. And um, but one of the unintended consequences that has been a huge boost for us is this realization that so many people out in the working world are co-creating experiences. That's like, you know, and so it's it's almost like brought everyone under our umbrella. Right. You know, because it's like 100 percent. Yeah. You know, whether you're totally or whether you're an advertiser, like it's 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 all management. Right. It's all experiences. And um, and that's. Yep. That's we're all creating. Yeah. Yeah. We're all creating. And I was going to say, I may be getting ahead of myself, but my boss and I are, we are big believers that for us, the differentiator for the engine is the client services we provide. You mm -hmm. can find an amazing graphic designer everywhere. You can find an amazing copywriter. Do I think my designers and writers are incredible? Yes. Yeah. But you can find them everywhere. And where my, the owner of the engine, Chris, and I really find ourselves nerding out is the conversations around how do we make our client services the best it damn can, like damn well can be. Right. What is it that differentiates us and the way we treat people mm -hmm. that's different than any other agency you can go and hire? He right. and I, I just actually was on vacation a couple of weeks ago and he and I started reading Unreasonable Hospitality, which I'm sure, I don't know if you've read it yet, uh, but ooh, it's down. so good. I'll send you the link after this. I'll just send you an email uh, with it so you can jot it down. But okay. it's it's written by... Uh, one of the GMs, I'm not going to give the title exactly what it was. Uh, I will nail it down. I may have to Google it while we're chatting, but he was the GM of, um, is it 11 Madison Park, which is like one of the top restaurants in the world or was for a very long time. But wow. just talking about the little things that we all do that add up to creating an unforgettable experience, that the little things we can do in our lives to treat people better than they expect at every turn. Uh, so I'm like sitting on a, you know, poolside cabana in Hawaii, just like nerding out about how cool if you do hospitality, right? Like how cool it can be and how much uh -huh. it means to people. Yeah. Uh, so that's good. That's good that 10 years later, I'm just like sitting here like, oh my God, this is so fun. Yeah. Um, yeah I love so it. to your point, the experience management is everywhere. You see it, you hear it, you feel it across any industry. Yeah. Um, so I'm really glad that you guys made the umbrella a bit bigger yeah you know and, and the thing i the thing i love about it is that and i was talking about this with um with some folks uh just recently you know it's it's whether whether mundane or memorable right and everything in between we're thinking about trying yep. to make the experience better right whether it's the mundane of just like a, a regular staff meeting that you have like you know once a week or whether it's, you know, the memorable of going to a World Cup or like you said, like sitting in a cabana in Hawaii, right? Like all of yeah. those things, right? And and everything in between, trying to design the experience to make it um to make it better for people. You know, I spent a I spent um a week in the hospital at Stanford and and I was just blown away. And this was back in 2016, and I was just blown away with how um an organization with a $6 billion endowment could be stuffing someone in a room with another person 
and you know and not being paying attention to the experience like uh, you know spending time in the hospital is like one of the worst things that could ever happen to people and to 100%. not think about trying to make that experience better you know from like like the things uh, you know I, 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 I like they have the this like uh hospital gown that yeah. is like the worst thing you could ever possibly wear that no one would ever 100%. choose to wear. No. It's so aggravating. You can't even like tie it yourself. Right. And, yep. and your whole back is open to the world to see, you know, and like people are stumbling oh. around with that. And I'm like, why, why does it have to be like that? You know? And that's where um, the experience I, design comes in, you know? I feel you. I, I am a hundred percent that person who's whether it's a restaurant or a hospital or whatever, <laughs> expectation setting and, ex- and creating an experience that is positive for people. Like I'm 100% the person that's like, guys, come on. Come, what was that? Yeah. Like that? And they're like, what? it's just, it's normal. I'm like, no, like my husband and I, when we were in Hawaii, we stayed a couple of days at a resort. And I was like, for the, for like what we paid and what we committed ourselves to going to and experiencing, mm-hmm. I was like, the service was really mediocre. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, it's fun to get really pretty views and fun poolside cocktails and whatever. But the things you remember are how you got treated and how people took care of you. Yeah. Like fancy cocktails only fill that void so much. Yeah. And I remember my husband and I both left and I was like, I really enjoyed myself, but it could have been better. Yeah. And it's crazy how I think people devalue the importance of service to people. Yeah. And I, I think, uh, unfortunately, that's one of the curses of uh, <laughs> learning experience design and learning how to be really good at co-creating experiences because you then do. And you also like, you know, as expensive as things have gotten, it's just like you said, like you pay like this certain amount for something and you expect the service to be top notch. And it's not always that top notch at all. And, and it's so- just one of those things where you're like, I would rather give my money to a place that's going to treat me the right way and, and make my experience great. Yeah. Like to me, though, the way that someone takes care of you in an experience like that mm-hmm. in a, at a vacation or whatever is a make or break it moment. Um, and you will go home remembering how you felt in those instances. Right. So, uh, so let's, uh, let's start, let's start the process of ending with that. Um, tell us, uh, you know, if you, if you have some, some wise words for, for people who are out there, who are just getting started in the, in the, maybe in the client services world, or they're interested in getting in the client services world, um, and they're young professionals or their students, like what advice, what advice would you give them? We're all just humans trying to figure it out. We all have no idea what we're doing. So just be kind <laughs> to each other. Uh, I love it. We're going back empathy. full circle to the kindness. I 100%. Love 100%. Yep. Lead with empathy. Empathy goes a long way. You may not know exactly what someone's been going through, but understanding what, that everyone has their stuff and that you can always lead with empathy and understanding of where that is, whether it's a human to human moment or trying to figure out a business solution. Uh, and my big like 2023 mantra has been set expectations. Like all we can do in life is do our best to set expectations for those around us, whether it's in our personal lives or professional ones. We are all, even from babies, right? We all take naps at certain times. We eat at certain times and we all get used to and accustomed to certain things. And as we all get older and we go through the world of corporate life or whatever work you're doing, 
that expectation setting is the differentiator between a good experience and a great one, a mediocre one and something you'll remember forever. And I am a huge fan and and during throughout client services. And that's been a big thing I've learned here at the engine is like, it's the basic things. It's how you start a meeting. It's how you end a call. It's how you engage with someone afterwards that really sets the tone of how the relation is going to work throughout the whole thing. And uh, I'm just a big, big believer in the, the more that you can communicate what's going to happen. I mean, even just getting your email of like, this is how this podcast is going to go. And this is what I'm going to ask you in the flow of what today's going to allowed me to come today, ready to talk about it and excited to talk about all these things where it's, you could have just been like, cool, talk to you later. Right. And it would have been a totally different experience. Right. Uh, so I think for me that, you know, with especially in hospitality and experience management and all this stuff, there are always so many things at play. A lot of us are doing things on the fly and live and constantly having to make decisions quickly and do things, you know, under pressure and under stress. Uh, but the more that we can all try and stay ahead of it and communicate clearly to those around us what should things look like or how things should go or what you are hoping from something allows those around you and yourself to function at their highest and best. So that's been my big 2023 back. <laughs> yeah, Callie, I just, I just love it. You know, I, I think back to my, to my career in education and um, you know, I, I, I think this is, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to talk a little bit about my experience, but I'm going to talk a little bit uh, about, I wanted to, to talk about it because I think it connects what you just said. You know, when I was first getting started in education and, and, you know, back when you were, um, when you were in school uh, with me and had classes with me, I think what I did was I wanted to frame those expectations. And I was so um, focused on framing those expectations that I forgot about leading with empathy. Um, right. And so I think that combination of framing expectations um, with that leading with empathy part has been the difference um, this year for me. I, I'm 100 percent with you. Like I had a really tough time during the pandemic and then coming out of it because it was such a weird space and I just wasn't sure where people were. And, you know, we were all dealing with these different things. And, this well, and it's so year, hard to connect. It's yeah. so hard to connect, like, especially when there's 30 of us on a call and yeah. you're trying to have a human connection. I mean, I remember walking into your class and I'd be like, how are the kids? How are, you know, yeah. like those yeah. types of experiences went away. Those types of moments went away and those types yeah. of human interactions. I don't know how all of you teaching kindergarten through college. I don't know how any of you all functioned throughout COVID um, because, yeah, to your it, to your point, it's, re, it's so hard to create yeah. that human connection. Yeah. And it was, you know, I mean, at least with the kindergarten, with the kinders or the younger kids, you know, they were required to have their uh, their their video on um, because that was that was part of it. But actually, in higher ed, we were told not to do that. Um, And so it was seriously like a a room of 30. Like, imagine having one of your uh, client services meetings, right, with like maybe if you have a, a, a team of like, let's say you had 16 Right. And yeah. two, of them, two of them have their video on and the other 14 don't, you know, it's like, how do you connect? It was so hard. But, um, but this year I've been doing that leading with empathy and it's been, it's been such a huge change and it feels so much better. And, um, uh, you know, so I, I appreciate that for sure. What we'll, what we'll end with Callie is, um, 
if you could go back in time and give junior year Callie some advice, uh, what would that uh, what would that advice be? <laughs> uh, I know I saw this question earlier, and I was like, "How am I going to answer this?" <laughs> um, this is one of those where I was like, "I don't know. I don't know if I have a good answer." Right. I I don't know. I think a lot of it is like in college, I feel like we all graduate feeling like we have to have it all figured out mm-hmm. and we don't. And I've been one of those lucky ones that's kind of found an industry that I've liked and stuck with it for the most part throughout my career. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've been able to land at cool places doing interesting stuff. But the idea that you have to know exactly what you're doing and what you want to do in college is yeah. shockingly difficult. And I think in this day and age, it's, it, you know, it's even harder and decisions are being made so early. And yeah. so just, give yourself the space to figure it out. Uh, I also think that this is a big one coming out of the pandemic. I think I mentioned earlier on the call, like give yourself time to breathe and go get lost in a book or enjoy the quiet time or not feel like you have to be on 24 seven. I the pandemic reared its ugly head on a girl who likes to be overstimulated right. uh, and likes to be busy all the time. And I really struggle to figure out how to be okay being not at a 10 all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I think going, looking back and being able to say something then I think almost the biggest thing for me is just like find ways to be okay, being alone and quiet and finding those times of like reflection and all that, and not feel like you just have to steam through it all. I mean, I still think of college being like, I would, by the end of week one of the quarter, I'd be like, yes, I have all 10 weekends planned. I'm like, uh, <laughs> right. What? Now I look back, I'm like, I don't know how I did that. Uh, But I think for me, it sounds kind of interesting. I think for people in our field, we're always on and always trying to, you know, help. We're all big helpers and we take care of people and we take care of situations, but finding the time to like reset and be intentional and and also be okay being quiet and being, you know, not moving for a while, I think is almost one of the biggest things for me that I've had to learn more the hard way than I think I'd like to, uh, in the last decade. Um, mm-hmm. so that would be my, I think my biggest takeaway. I, I love that. And that's just such fabulous advice for the, for the modern student now too, with, with, um, you know, all the screens that we have that we all have in front of us and, you know, um, just trying to be mindful and trying to have that space to reflect and, and, um, and I love it. I, I've heard over and over again from podcast guests, you know, uh, th- this advice to their junior year self. So I, I feel like it's going to get through to our current students. Like if we keep saying it enough, right? Like give yourself, give yourself some space and give yourself some time and you don't have to have it all figured out. And um, that helps me as a teacher too, with the empathy thing, right? In, in the classroom, I can kind of I can help with that. And so uh, I really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Callie, for your time. It's so great to see you. Um, the, you you are a, a, a perfect embodiment of uh, why I do this podcast, because I get to, to spend a couple of, uh, of uh, minutes that I wouldn't have been able to spend with someone that uh, that I care about a lot and that I am uh, rooting for and uh, and that I live vicariously for through uh, <laughs> LinkedIn, you know, when I when I see you on LinkedIn and I see your successes and all of that. So thank you so much for giving back and really appreciate it. Of course. Thank you so much, Dr. Greenwood slash Brian. I'm still working on it. Thank you so much, Brian. I'm so glad I got to be a part of this and 
Um, you know, 10 years later, it's, you know, it's, it feels like nothing's changed. So thank you again for inviting me today. I really, I really appreciate it. I love it. And when, when, uh, when you and Alicia are back in town, uh, you're going to have to give, uh, give the Greenwoods a call and we'll, we'll come and toast you both. How's that? I'm thinking she said she may be moving back to California. So if that happens, All either right. way, you're coming to Sonoma County or we're coming okay. to Slow. We're going to hang All out. Right. Great. Uh, I love it. I love it. Thanks so much, Callie. Thanks. Bye. Bye.